0: Well, I invite you to turn with me once again to the wisdom literature of Ecclesiastes. We'll be looking at uh, Ecclesiastes uh, chapter 9, a little the end of chapter 9 as well as uh, chapter 10 this morning. And uh, if there's anything this morning that really solidifies Ecclesiastes uh, and it secures its place, I guess, in that tradition of Hebrew Old Testament wisdom literature, it's this section here of that proverbial wisdom like we find in Job or the Psalms and especially uh, the Proverbs, practical things, uh, sensible things uh, for us to consider as we live under the sovereign rule of God uh, in these um, few days that He's given to us. But let's be honest, life is baffling, very baffling. Uh, So often there are things that are unfair, we're frustrated, we're disappointed, Um, things that leave us ultimately unsatisfied uh, in this life, and the vanity reminds us, maybe even compels us, and and, and bombards us with this reality uh, that we live in a world that is still uh, thorny, it still um, prickles, there's still aches and pains, grief. And that grates against us um, because we long for something different. Um, We long for the absence of these things. Um, A world where there is no more grief and pain. And we we long for truth and beauty and goodness and, and real justice. And we see just little glimpses of it here and there. But clearly, if our hearts cannot be satisfied fully, then we have to reach the same conclusion that Mr. C.S. Lewis did when writing Mere Christianity. He said, if we find ourselves with a desire that nothing in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that we've been made for another world. And so the wise teacher of Ecclesiastes would agree who says, God has put eternity in our hearts. We long for it. We know it's there. We desire after it. We know we've been made for more Uh, Than this, and to enjoy more than this, Uh, for a place where wisdom reigns and folly uh, is just no more. And so, that the preacher and teacher here keeps uh, this longing before us, um, even as he discloses some very practical insight in how we uh, should live in this present world. Uh, It's God's world, it belongs to him. Um, And so, it's going to operate according to the limits and bounds that he has put in place in this world. So even those who would grate against this, the fool who says in his heart, there is no God, can try to manipulate and change, but um, it will only hurt the fool uh, and those around them as well. So the, the, the wise teacher elevates the value of wisdom for us. We know wisdom isn't going to provide all the answers. It won't satisfy the deepest longings of our heart, but it is helpful and is profitable uh, in this a life under the sun. So we're going to read just sections at a time here of this chapter as we learn the value of wisdom on the street in the everyday things of life and then the value of wisdom in high places, places of authority and leadership as well. On the job site or in the boss's office. You may be the boss or the one getting your hands dirty on the assembly line. There's wisdom in those places, practical wisdom. So let's pray and ask the Lord to illumine his word to us father though all else in this world passes away your word does not pass away it endures forever and as we come to your word this morning to study it to learn from it and apply it to our lives lord we realize that it is your word that studies us it examines us and we submit ourselves to your word now we ask that you would teach us, that you would encourage us with wisdom from on high. You, our good and gracious and loving Heavenly Father, has given us your character, your wisdom through this word. And so we ask that you would illumine our hearts now and show us. We need your help, Holy Spirit, uh, to show us how to apply this word. We ask this in Jesus' name and for his sake, amen. So there's great wisdom. We see the very high value of wisdom in unlikely places. uh, Places that are often overlooked in this world. Literally, wisdom here on the street. So look at verse 13 of chapter 9. I've also seen this example of wisdom under the sun, and it seemed great to me. There was a little city with few men in it, and a great king came against it and besieged it, building great siege works against it. But there was found in it poor wise man, and he by his wisdom delivered the city, yet no one remembered that poor man. But I say that wisdom is better than might, though the poor man's wisdom is despised, and his words are not heard. Now we don't know if the teacher had a specific example in mind uh, when he shared this word, but it really seems to fit and align with what we find in a place like Second Kings chapter seven. You can see how this could actually happen. And so the, the king of Syria and his army has surrounded um, the, 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 the town in, in Samaria, really all of, of Samaria. And there's a famine in the land. The people are starving, and so they can't leave the city and actually uh, go look for provisions because they are surrounded by this foreign army. And so the king says, This trouble has come upon them because of the Lord, and he's going to go and cut off Elisha's head because he's a spokesman for the Lord. And then we're told of four lepers, we don't know their names, we're never given their names, but four men with this disease who are standing by the gate in Samaria and they say, well, we can die here at the gate, or we can go into the city and die there, or we can go to the Syrian army and either they're going to kill us or maybe we'll stay alive. And so they decide they're going to go into the army of, of Syria. And so they, they, they travel just a little ways from uh, the city gates and they find that the army is completely gone. They've, just, they've vanished. And we see the Lord literally spooked this army away thinking that they heard the sound of this other approaching army uh, to defeat them. And it's just these four men with leprosy who have walked along the road. Um, And so they they enjoy some of the spoils, and they take this news back to the king in Samaria, and no one believes them. And we we don't read about these men with leprosy again after this, even after these messengers are sent to confirm their words. The Lord uses the the weakness, the, the wisdom of these men in that present moment to deliver and drive off this mighty army. And even that type of wisdom, those actions aren't rewarded. They're not even remembered. And here we're told that that's that's better. That type of wisdom, even though it's not rewarded, even though it's not remembered, is better than the noise of the mob. See in verses 16 and 17. The words of the wise, heard in quiet, are better than the shouting of a ruler among fools. So often, the word of a wise person is drowned out by the might and the volume of, of the masses that could be a besieging army like we find in second kings or it could be a flaring riot or, or a very dynamic person with a megaphone shouting i think of the pharisees the new testament stirring up the crowds against jesus saying hey this is the spiritual thing to do to crucify this man the crowds go along with that or the craftsmen in ephesus They're stirring up the city against the Apostle Paul. Hey, this is the spiritual thing to do. In fact, it's the best thing for business. We need to get rid of this man. And most of the crowd have no idea why they've gathered. They don't even know what it is they're saying, but they're shouting, pulled along by the emotive power of the mob. We've witnessed this firsthand in our land over this last year. Rioting, shouting, destroying, with little to no thought at how how things have come about or what real justice may actually look like. Um, On the street, in the everyday affairs of life, it's hard to listen to wisdom when there's so much noise. Because the fool says, crank up the noise. Join the pack. Ignore the words of the wise because, well, there's no power there. There's no influence. If you want control, if you want attention, if you want power to really make things happen and then get on board start shouting. I don't think it's a stretch here to uh, to say that in, a, in an instant information age like we are a part of, that, that social media is often the noise that surrounds us. Stirring up the masses, making it very difficult to hear and to discern the voice of wisdom. What wisdom knows is that people are much more pleasant. Folks are more agreeable, usually much more helpful when they're not being shouted at. When they're not being misled or used in some way. That's the voice of wisdom. We're also reminded that wisdom and folly, they don't carry the same weight or same impact here down on the street in the everyday parts of life. It takes just a little bit of folly to undo a great deal of Wisdom. There in verse 18, Wisdom is better than weapons of war, but one sinner destroys much good. Dead flies make the perfumer's ointment give off a stench. So a little folly outweighs wisdom and honor. So a few dead flies are going to corrupt that whole batch of ointment. I think we could put together quite a list of men and women that we have looked up to, that we admired, and then we've watched them come crashing down through one lapse of judgment. Or just a foolish encounter. I mean, think of how a reputation of 30, 40, 50 years, it can be toppled in just a matter of minutes. It takes far less to ruin than it does to, uh, to create. And I know this is uh, something for us to consider at every age, but I want to speak to those of you who are younger for just a moment. As you find your way in this world, and you are cultivating the gifts that God has given you and you're, you're pursuing goals. You're exploring a world with, with greater responsibility that you've been given. and It's a world with a plethora of temptations. Um, choices that will change your life. And especially in our culture now as we've seen so much confusion over sexual identity and sexual fulfillment is really elevated as the highest goal, the highest freedom that one can have the pressure will mount fiercely to satisfy those desires outside the bounds, outside the limits that God has created so good and beautiful. One foolish encounter, one lapse in judgment, and you can damage the beauty of what God has given. Given you to share with a spouse for a lifetime. So look to the ancient past. Look where where the good way is and walk in it says the prophet Jeremiah. Um, This is going to make you stand out. Let's be honest. It's going to make you stand out. You're going to be thought of as weird. Um, May feel a little lonely at times. Um, Because in our our self-absorbed consumer culture, anything that is ancient and old is looked down upon or ignored altogether. For what is young, what is new, um, it's underneath really a suspicion of all authority that we see around us. Uh, and those who have gone before us. So in a a time and place where information is valued so much more than truth, where do you think you're going to find wisdom for the everyday? Out on the street. You'd be hard-pressed to find it in the TV shows or the movies. You're not going to find it by listening to politicians, by most politicians, famous athletes, actors. You'll find this wisdom by listening to the voice of God in His Word. It's a lamp to our feet, a light to our path. This word is the very heart of God that teaches us and encourages us and warns us. You'll find this wisdom through those who have gone before you and have spent time meditating on this and have seen the, the fruit of this wisdom in their own lives. Now, I don't want to downplay that. There are young people who are very wise and there are older folks who haven't gained a lick of wisdom in all of their years. And, and, I mean, if you want to know, I mean, this is a pretty sound principle. If you want to know who you are, listen to those who know you best. If you want to know where you are going, look and listen to those who have gone there before you. And and typically, you're going to be able to see them. You you really will be able to see them. Those who are walking the path of wisdom and those who couldn't care less. this This is for us all, not just for, for uh, our, our younger ones, the fool lacks sense and doesn't disguise this very well. It's the heart of verse 3 there. You'll see this in the way they carry themselves and their, their attitudes, their, their words, which we'll get back to in a minute. Uh, but the value of wisdom in protecting a city and the value in our own lives from destruction. How about the everyday on the street wisdom of planning and thinking things through, like realistically? This is the common sense wisdom of verses 8 through 11. He who digs a pit will fall into it, and a serpent will bite him who breaks through a wall. He who quarries stones is hurt by them, and he who splits logs is endangered by them. If the iron is blunt and one does not sharpen the edge, he must use more strength. But wisdom helps one to succeed. If the serpent bites before it is charmed, there is no advantage to the charmer. A little bit of humor here on the teacher's part as he looks at and all this life under the sun the type of things that happen to us when we're in a hurry or we don't think things through all the way i mean life can hurt doesn't it you grab a hammer you're going to you're going to break up that little piece of concrete and at the second swing a piece flies up and hits you in the face ouch you know i kn- i know i could move that bookshelf i just didn't intend to drop it on my toe in the process And yes, ladies, if we sharpened the blade, it would cut the wood a lot faster. But sometimes we just need to hack at that thing for 10 to 15 minutes to show someone somewhere that we're more powerful than this blunt object. Um, You know, if the snake bites someone before it's charmed, the charmer's not going to get paid very much. And then if it bites the charmer, it really doesn't matter anyway. So there's some humor behind this in our everyday workings. We can dig pits, we can break up stones, we can chop wood. We can do all those things the wrong way and at the wrong time. And that, that's really the essence of wisdom, isn't it? Wisdom is doing the right thing in the right way at the right time. And we may be doing the right thing, but it may not be the right way. Or we can do the right, the right thing in the right way, but it's just the wrong time. Numbers 14. The people of Israel are grumbling and complaining again against the Lord in the wilderness. Their life was so good back in Egypt. They wanted to return to that paradise. Yikes. And so the Lord is ready to take them out. Moses intercedes for them. The Lord pardons their rebellion against him out of his goodness, out of his mercy. But he says that they, that they didn't listen. They didn't listen to those who scouted out the land. And so for the next 40 years, this generation's not going to see the land. They'll be in the wilderness. And so after Moses shares this with the people, they say, well, no, 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 look, look, Moses, we'll go. No, no, that's not right. We'll go into the land. We believe, we believe. Moses says, don't do it. Don't do it. You're going to die. You've just heard what the Lord said. Well, they don't listen. They go into the land, and they are driven back farther than when they started. Right thing, maybe even the right way, but wrong time. We can't can't plan for everything, every contingency, or eliminate every risk in life. But wisdom, wisdom thinks it through. Uh, It's aware of the situation, takes in, you know, those those steps that may need to be heeded when we we slow down long enough to make sense uh, of what is happening. So poor planning, carelessness, that that can get people hurt, uh, even the most ordinary tasks. So wisdom on the street here, and protection, planning, I want to use another P word just to keep it all together here to keep it straight so you get pronouncing speaking Uh, the words we use often differentiate the wise from the foolish this is verses 12 through 15 really verse 20 could also be included here the words of a wise man's mouth win him favor but the lips of a fool consume him the beginning of the words of his mouth is foolishness and the end of his talk is evil madness a fool multiplies words Though no man knows what is to be, and who can tell him what will be after him. The toil of a fool wearies him, for he does not know the way to the city. And when you hear words that are gracious, uh, words that um, speak the truth and enables the one who is listening to hear the truth that is being spoken, um, you're hearing wise words. When you're hearing words that are offering more encouragement than critique, you're hearing wise words. Words that actually say more about the person than the words themselves. Think of Jesus as he responds to the ridiculous charges of the Pharisees in Matthew chapter 12. Jesus uses a picture of the tree and its fruit. Like we talked about this morning, that the tree is known by its fruit. The words of the Pharisees. The fruit is showing what kind of people that they are. And Jesus says, How can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So wise speech comes from a wise heart. The fool does not fear the Lord. And it's often reflected in his speech. You know There are countless examples of this on the street. Uh, even in places where it grieves us all the more. Uh, to hear this. Recently on the floor of the highest lawmaking body in the land, there was some strong debate over the Equality Act. You've likely heard of this and read about it, Uh, which would in effect normalize uh, a sexual confusion and rebellion, um, place a target on those who would oppose um, or even presume to discriminate against this type of ideology. But one representative in opposition to the Equality Act, he offered this rationale Whenever a nation's laws no longer reflect the standards of God, that nation is in rebellion against him and will inevitably bear the consequences. And in response to that, the representative who had the floor immediately said this, what any religious tradition ascribes as God's will is no concern of this Congress. No fear of God before their eyes. This is the belief, the words of the foolish whose talk ends with evil madness. The fool loves to hear himself talk, loves to hear herself talk, more than happy to tell everyone how things are going to work out. But the wise on the street, they're quick to listen, they're slow to speak. And when they do speak, their words are measured, truthful, used to build others up. I mean, does that characterize your words most of the time? Christians should be and will be known by our pronouncing, by their words. Words that are spoken, words that are typed. Oh. Words of praise and thanks to God flow from the heart that fears Him. Words of reconciliation. I'm sorry. That that was my fault. Please forgive me. Those flow from a heart that fears Him. From the one who knows the depths of from which the Lord has rescued, and has every confidence and security in the power of the blood of Christ. Changed hearts make for change and changing words. And verse 20 carries a similar message that we saw earlier in chapter 7. Be watchful, guard your thoughts, so you're not cursing others, especially those in leadership positions who may have some power to do something about it. Uh, these things have a way of getting out. Don't they? Have, have you ever noticed just how quickly—a uh, uh, literally a bad word, word that you never intended to say, or a bad phrase—just how quickly you utter something about someone else? I mean, it is—it is out there, um, and how hard it is to spread a good word about someone else. That just seems to sort of <laughs> fall flat. Uh, I mean, it's truly amazing. But what if? What if the gossip train could carry truth and encouragement as fast as it carries misinformation and slander? That'd be incredible. So the wise seek to guard, guard their thoughts, guard their tongues, lest like the fool their lips consume them. So wisdom is great value for the everyday, on-street level, but also in high places, uh, places of authority and leadership. And so don't check out here saying, well, that, that's for other people then. No, it's likely you. Uh, it's likely us in these places. Parents, teachers, coaches, project managers, elders, um, all in high places, places of leadership uh, that can easily be tripped up by folly. Uh, verses 5 through 7. There's an evil that I have seen under the sun, as it were an error proceeding from the ruler. Folly is set in many high places, and the rich sit in a low place. I have seen slaves on horses. And princes walking on the ground like slaves. Maybe uh, you've taken a sandwich, uh hamburger, let's use a hot dog. Who's a hot dog in this case? you like hot dogs. So you got a nice juicy hot dog, you're out at the barbecue or at the game, all the condiments are spread out in front of you. Ketchup, mustard, pickles, onions, it's all there. And so you you know, you're in conversation and, and you put on a little bit of mustard, you put on lots of dill relish, of course. And then you reach for that bottle of red heavenly nectar that everything, you know, it goes with everything. And you just lather it all over your hot dog. And your mouth is salivating as you get ready to take that first bite and you chomp into that ballpark frank. And there is instant pain. And you feel this pain from your mouth kind of going up into your brain. And then you look down and realize that you had grabbed the sriracha sauce and not the ketchup. Ketchup. And you put it all over your hot dog. I mean, that literally, you won't be able to taste the thing. no. And most of us, I think, would probably put it in the trash can and start over. Um, when you put something like that where, it, where it's not intended to be, it can be painful. Uh, there's consequences to that, which is exactly the wise teacher's conclusion here. Bad things can happen. People can people get hurt. It can be painful when we put fools in charge. We I mean, you know what happens. You've likely seen this, been in that place where the person who's not qualified is promoted. Uh, and they're promoted to that higher place because, well, they know the boss, or they're a yes man or yes woman who just sort of rubber stamp whatever the boss's agenda may be. Um, this is the kind of error that those in high places are are apt to make. I mean, it can happen whether it's White Castle or the White House. It happens. Wisdom is not quick to appoint. rich fool to a high position it's like like an archer who wounds everyone is one who hires a passing fool or a drunkard we read that in proverbs 26 a great value to wisdom in high places when appointing people to those places but also because of the power and responsibility that those positions have verse 16 woe to you o land when your king is a child and your princes feast in the morning. Happy are you, O land, when your king is the son of the nobility and your princes feast at the proper time for strength and not for drunkenness. Through sloth, the roof sinks in and through indolence, the house leaks. Bread is made for laughter and wine, gladdens life and money answers everything or all sorts of things. So in in the context here, those who have been raised within the court, those who have been raised as part of the nobility, are typically in a better place or can make sense of what it takes to rule wisely and how to manage that kind of power. Uh, It's a principle that holds true for all sorts of things. If you're the son or daughter of the coach and you've been hanging around the team as you've grown up and you've been watching and listening, then chances are good you're gonna make a pretty good coach someday, because you've taken it all in. But when those who are outside, here outside the court, with no experience to really feed wisdom, you know, they land in that position of power, well, hey, you know, it's party time. Beer for breakfast, that sounds good. Uh, What was that? You know, the the enemy is at, at the gate, well, send out some horses, pass me another round. Did you feel that? Yeah. Yeah, the roof is leaking a little bit. We'll get to it. Pass me the chips. Laziness or just lack of diligence has great consequences for anyone, really, but especially those in places of power and leadership. We know that that, that foolishness of the leader trickles down you know, to the hurt of those underneath them. Bread and wine may abound. Verse 19 is, is kind of a challenge here. but It seems to reinforce this error related to young, inexperienced leadership. After self-indulgence, you know, someone else is going to take care of it, we'll just throw a little bit more money at it, may only lead to ruin for those under their authority. As a leader goes in wisdom or folly, so go the people. So I want you to think now the best leader that you've ever known, the wisest leader, the one who really knew the terrain, really could carry that power with humility and grace. Think of the effect that that had on you if, if you served under that person or you were following that leader. I mean, that, that's life-giving. You look up to that person, him or her. You'd even seek them out. You'd, you know, you'd, want, to, you'd want to work for them. You'd want to do what pleased them. So wise leadership, it's healthy for all. It's desirable, even joyful, to follow such a person. In church family, we know one who occupies the highest place. And he does so with perfect wisdom. Perfect wisdom. The Son of God, the Lord Jesus, is the embodiment of all true wisdom. He is the wise ruler. Wisdom in high places who took his wisdom to the streets. So wisdom rides into Jerusalem. To the ways and shouts of the people. Hosanna in the highest with folly bound up in their hearts. And it's Jesus, we, in, in Him, we see the humility of that poor man who comes to save his people, though he was despised and his words are not heard or remembered. So in our folly, in our folly we promote the fool, we ignore the enduring character of the, of the good person, but Jesus exalts the humble and opposes the proud. We think we're entitled. We love to, to indulge ourselves. We want rewards for work that we haven't done. But Jesus comes not to be served, but to serve. To give his life as a ransom for many. We like to talk and talk big about things we don't know much about. But Jesus speaks truth and grace. His words appropriate and measured. So through his life, death, and resurrection, Jesus recovers the very character of God's wisdom and leadership in our lives. Jesus rescues us in our our foolishness on the street with wisdom from the highest place. We can shout, Hosanna! Save us, O God! Wisdom from the highest place has come, and blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Let's pray together. Lord God, how grateful we are that you have come. from Wisdom from the highest place to speak into our foolishness and to save us from its very end. Lord, forgive us when we listen to the voice of the fool so much quicker than we do to the voice of wisdom from your word or from those who have gone before us. Guide us, we pray. May we be those who walk in the way of wisdom because we follow after our Savior who is the very wisdom of you, our God, has come for us. Lord, we thank you for this word. Though it challenges us, Lord, may we go renewed and refreshed by the wisdom that you give us to go into a Monday morning and into this week. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.